0: under the helmet
1: you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay
0: the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football
1: it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be
0: building dynasties each and every week
1: i don't even know your name what's your name
0: chad parsons
1: I'm telling you man you lead leading the league in hydration <laughs> I got a
0: Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome down to the helmet. Got Tim Korch here. I am Chad Parsons. And we got some good off season topics here to kick things off. Super Bowl in the back uh, backdrop here for us. And we really kickstart, and we're, we're barreling towards... I actually saw the NFL Combine list. I mean, the NFL doesn't wait any t- waste any time in terms of <laughs> what is next on our calendars. So combine is up next. We'll have free agency in about a month uh, as that stirs up, as well as all the NFL draft news as we go through things with pro days, etc. But we want to start off in the dynasty trade market here. So Tim Torch and I, we're each going to come to the show with a biggest dynasty buy and a biggest dynasty sell across the scale positions here. So anything goes... Could be two quarterbacks, could be hopefully not two kickers, Tim. Fingers crossed here. As we we don't fact check and uh, and double check our list uh, compared to each other. But uh, why don't you kick us off, Tim? Uh, great to have you back on the weekly show here. Going to have you in the mix uh, regularly, more so than the past six months or so. That's a shame on me. But uh, start off with a buy, start off with a sell, wherever you want to go here for your market
1: recommendation. Yeah, for me, uh, I will start with the buy. And boy, I, I feel like rewind 12 months. Uh, it, it's We're right back where we started And that's with Justin Herbert um, it, If if you remember We were excited, the weapons were great We were about ready to get Quentin Johnson uh, at, Infused into this roster And uh, It was wheels up, S- season started Good but before you know it you started Having injuries uh, Not only to skill position players Austin Eckler was dealing with his own uh, Own injuries You just saw the wheels Coming apart on that offense. And and then before you know it, Justin Herbert himself was dealing with his own injuries. Now we're at a point where we're even getting some depreciation because of the coaching that that is being infused with the chargers. And boy, it it just feels like he's a, he's always going to be a screaming value. He's one of those quarterbacks that you should, in terms of fantasy. And I understand it's not the same as uh, like, real like normal NFL. But when you're talking fantasy, like Herbert should be up there with the with the top names that you're mentioning. And I feel like he is going to get passed. And I have seen him get passed so easily by the well he's already passed by Mahomes, uh Josh Allen. Uh, I think uh Lamar Jackson is just going to be there or a little bit above. And then you're going. Uh, people are going to be really excited about the new shiny objects that are coming into place as we uh, get towards rookie drafts with with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and insert insert name here. And I think before you know it, you're going to be looking at him as seven to ten. And, and I'm not even talking about CJ Stroud passing him or or whoever else like is excited about another name. So I I just feel like Justin Herbert is there. In terms of you, you have to at least test the waters. And that's the other thing, like every league has such varying markets. You never know what type of deal you might actually be able to strike for him.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And I, I think the hand wringing over Jim Harbaugh coming in about, oh, he's not going to throw for 500. He's not going to throw 500 passes and, and all this. We're assuming that their defense is fixed. I mean, even if you think that Harbaugh wants to come in and say, I have an assassin quarterback and I want to neuter him, you know, and 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 make him one of the lowest volume quarterbacks in the NFL. Even if you're under that assumption, game script is going to dictate that. You know, like, is he really going to fix the, the offensive line, the running backs, uh, the run game in general to say, I can control things. You know, we're going to have 500 plus rushing attempts for, for, a couple different running backs. Like you can have all the hopes and and hopes and optimism for that to be your DNA. But all of a sudden you you're down fourteen to three before the half and things change. So I, I think that volume thing and you know, I think you want a good coach. You know, independent of ooh, I think this guy, you know, is gonna uh go for high volume and he's a real pass centric guy versus a run centric guy we get a good coach. You know, I think we have good data points that Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. So let's start there. Um, and yeah, the, the one other thing I would point out with Justin Herbert is, I mean, his career, 1.89, uh big time throw ratio. He hasn't been below one7 His int- any uh, season of his career. So, A lot of people are just focusing, in my opinion, on the wrong things. Is he a really good quarterback? Yes. Uh, And does he have that dual threat? Yes. Uh, Is he undervalued? Yes. 26 years old. Like, Just look at some of the basics uh, of what he is and then go from there. And like you said, I mean – he's going to have markets that are QB seven to QB 10. And that just makes it a really easy within the position arbitrage, especially if you're going from below and saying, well, you know, I, I tried to get, you know, her, uh, Mahomes or Allen and I can't get there. Well, how about you go to Herbert, you know, Herbert, and and he might be able to get you there or you might just like being there, you know, over the next one to two seasons um, as this, this dip or this rebound probably corrects. Yeah. I really like that one. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Alvin Kamara for my dynasty buy. And I was trying to look at differentials. Herbert's definitely on on my list as well. Glad I didn't uh, include him just because it would have been a double up. But uh, the market has him in the mid uh, running back 20s. And I, I think the biggest reason for that is his age. It kind of has to be because we're talking about uh, he finished as running back four in adjusted points per game this past season. And that's what Jamal Williams there. They drafted Kendra Miller. Neither one was a big factor. And Of active running backs, Kamara is tied with Christian McCaffrey with the most top 12 seasons, six. Um, I have him firmly in the top 15. I have a running back 11 to be exact. And I'll ask, what's changing this next year? He has an $18 million cap hit, $17 million uh, dead cap. He's not going anywhere. And we've seen the Saints push around uh, piles of chips on the poker table to to get the cap to work. But basically, they're going to save a million dollars if they move on from Kamara. And and he's coming off a good year. There's no reason. Now, in 2025, he's probably not on the team, I would guess. 29 million cap hit, it explodes. 10 million dead cap. So something's going to occur. But it's probably it, unless it's a restructure, nothing's happening this offseason. He will be on the Saints, the team that he's been highly productive over these years. Um, and I, I didn't know this. I, I was kind of researching for for a couple of these data points for for Kamara. But he's the only six running backs have more projected tops top twelve seasons remaining by UTH comparable uh, comparable player search. One point eight top twelve remaining at twenty nine years old. Why? He's been hyper productive. The other part is he's receiving centric. There's a lot of positives to say at 29, 30, even 31 years old, we could still be seeing a top 24 option in Camara. So he's priced at his floor pretty much because if he gives you one top 12 season, it's a pretty dirt cheap price in, in the mid twenties there. Um, and just, I, I kind of wanted you to weigh in on what you think, like, are these the right ways to go about acquiring Camara this off season, Tim, like, and, and just provide the feedback here. So these are three recent ones that I found. Alvin Kamara for a twenty-four second.
1: Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Four, yeah, four.
0: non. Yeah, non-first. So even if that's you know two hundred one, two hundred two, you'd still make that trade.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because because well, at that point you're is when you're usually looking at the
0: you hope for a day the, two, by, right?
1: probably the top the top running back. Um, oh yeah. While well, the backup guys maybe doesn't land in a clarified spot or something like that yeah i, I would definitely do that I mean, that's, where kendra,
0: that's where kendra that's why kendra miller went this past year right mm-hmm. i mean so you're getting yep. a guy that is he going to start when you know and and all this and 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 guess what kendra miller is still waiting TikTok, and he's going to be maybe waiting until 2025 uh, the next one is Alvin Kamara for Ty Chandler and a 26 second. So you're pushing it way out there. What do you think about Chandler? Is he someone that you'd be holding on to or more of a hot potato to do a deal like this?
1: Oh, give me, give me Kamara. <laughs> like, okay. like, I, the, the way he came back this year, it, it was, it's just too much boom. I, I want that on my roster.
0: Now this one's a little spicy. Um, so this is the one that it's an arbitrage opportunity. But I wonder what you think of this one. So we've got another older running back in Sir Christian McCaffrey being traded for Alvin Kamara and a 24 first. So how high does mm. that need to be for you to do that one?
1: Right. Yeah, That that's kind of the question. Where does that need to be? And I'd be kind of. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's probably my number one question. If if it's super flex and I can get into that top five. Um.
0: Well, I think that's a tough ask, right, for Kamara. I mean, yeah. uh, sorry for for McCaffrey. But here's the right. other thing: I was kind of wondering, you know, if this is one ten, one eleven, you, it's. I just think about this: <laughs> McCaffrey is so high high leverage in the that you're not going to be able to get a first probably period if he has any significant ish injury going forward. Right, And then you kind of have to ask yourself, I mean, McCaffrey was obviously ahead of Camara this past year, but you know, you still had a high end running back one. So you're adding a year, McCaffrey's in there. So yeah. So it sounds like maybe a mid first would, would be that line to make this yeah. uh, a good, yeah, that, would, go. that would
1: move it for me. Yep. Yeah. Cause for in sure. super
0: flex, I mean, you'd probably be looking at, well, I can get Camara and the running back one of this class, or I'm getting, yeah. maybe it's Malik neighbors, maybe it's Jaden Daniels. Like you're, you're really in the zone of, you kind of have to make that deal.
1: Yep, absolutely. All
0: right, uh, what do you think for your biggest dynasty
1: sell? Yeah, uh, for I, I, I was gonna. I'm always kind of cheeky when I look at this, and uh, I, I would start with like if someone's willing to give you something, <clears throat> uh, especially in superflex, like a like I mentioned, one of those top four or five for a running back. I, I would definitely do that, like in a heartbeat. So that's just something I, I would definitely consider. Uh, but my like top dynasty sell right now, if he's on my roster for me, is Brian Robinson. And I feel that's kind of hot takey because I've actually seen some people float around like Antonio Gibson's possibly not coming back. New regime, Brian Robinson's gonna eat. He's gonna have everything in front of him. And I I think it's really easy just to forget like it, as good as Brian Robinson was. at at times last year Uh, i mean he had a couple of very very good weeks i think if someone is willing to really buy into that narrative i i would absolutely be willing to sell because he's not someone who is a a top of the line elite physical specimen he kind of reminds me of a uh like a little bit of a lesser version of josh jacobs like he can do everything well but you you lose a little bit of that top end gear with him and i i would definitely be willing to make that pivot uh into something i like more Uh, so he he was just one that like jumps out to me i've seen uh some dynasty trades where people are willing to give like decent firsts or even i i have no problem like like if someone is willing to give you into that top end first range and you need to add a little something to it, that's okay to do. I, I think people aren't happy enough packaging up picks and saying, I'm willing to take a piece plus a second. I'm willing to take a piece plus my first and move into something I really want. And we even had that conversation. We touched on it just a little bit last week, as far as the idea of consolidating and and that's something that we just don't do enough of where we often look at our roster like oh that's that's a pretty good roster instead of looking how can i take a couple of solid options and turn them into an elite option one that is a no doubter one that is one of those profiles where you go i'm not it's going to be a set it and forget it and then I can start backfilling off of the waiver wire. So he, he's just one that automatically comes to mind is, man, I would, I would be pushing to use him as a, a stepping stool to someone else.
0: nah, yeah, I, I think he's in the zone. I mean, you know, some of that, you know, running back 15, 20, maybe the early 20s uh, at the, at the minimum for what the market will, will bear there for Brian Robinson. And he comes, you know, this is kind of something we've talked about over the course of time, which is sometimes you take from the middle of your roster and you're trying to add more elite pieces and someone like Brian Robinson is valuable enough to move the needle, but not so valuable that you're like, well, I'm kind of moving parallel. Like you mentioned, you know, could this get you into elite zone of the draft? Like if you're sitting here at, you know, 108, 109 of the, of a super flex draft and you're like, well, this, this might, this is going to get me into the surefire zone. Like if you think there's six good players, you know, that that are really move the needle and you're sitting at nine, Robinson gets you in there you know, now how high you got to explore the market. You know, I don't think that he'll move the needle more than getting to three or four at the absolute best. But the point is you can get into five or six uh, pretty easily. So that's something that maybe you wait till the rookie draft, but it's also the same sort of thing of saying, Hey, I'm trying to make a a deal to upgrade at quarterback or, or, you know, get this wide receiver. You throw in Brian Robinson as something you maybe hold back in the initial offer. Maybe you put it out there, but the point is he will move the needle um, enough as opposed to, uh, and, and frankly, again, running back, is one where yeah, you you know you lose Brian Robinson, you probably have three guys behind him that could become the new Brian Robinson, you know, over the next 12 months. I'm gonna go with uh biggest dynasty sell here, Jalen Hurts. Uh I had I had three or four different candidates for this one. I want to go kind of on the spicier sale uh scale uh Scoville units here for Jalen Hurts. Um he's running back excuse me running back that is a very apropos uh, uh twist there so I, I run quarterback three by the market, um, and I just I understand there there could be three, four, five different people that that depending on the person you ask, who is QB three in dynasty right now behind Mahomes and Allen in some iteration, but for me it's not Jalen Hurts. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things, and uh, he's coming off of a huge season. Like when I started digging into some of the rushing stuff, it, it's pretty uh, again. This can be like he's a monster, you know, and, and this is a good thing. I view it as well. I'd like to buy a quarterback. Like I, I would like a a true quarterback to be a QB three in dynasty, not someone that I view as almost a hybrid player. And again, I know he passes the ball, but the point is he's been fourteen points per game the past couple of seasons. You know, fourteen points per game passing, which is a pretty middling number for NFL terms. And so you have to ask, you know, is he more Cam Newton like? Uh, we have Jalen Hurts with. Um, with, with a ton of rushes over the past two years, um, 33 touchdowns, you add in the tush-push angle where losing Kelsey could be a big deal. Is this something that over the next year or two goes away to a large degree, you know, and, and something especially at the goal line? Uh, Jalen Hurts has 35 rushes inside the five-yard line the past two seasons, 22 touchdowns on those runs. And I was looking over the past 20 years, Cam Newton is the only guy with more than 14 in a season. So Hertz is averaging 17 and a half over the past two seasons. So you're talking about even more, even greater than Cam Newton. And I just think Eagles are going to have to see change, you know, more contracts coming out, uh, Kelsey leaving and just a team that kind of has to figure things out. What we're, what they have done has not resulted in the, the stature, you know, and playoff finishes, postseason finishes that they've wanted. Um, and, And so I think, this may be a team, and I don't know if they can lean on Jalen Hurts like a crew traditional quarterback. And that's gonna be something that I, I think you you can't really have these if you want to have him at QB six, seven, eight, nine, ten and have these questions, that's fine. But I think at QB three and saying we're forsaking all others, it's just too risky. Uh too risky of a profile. Again, we want a guy that can that, that can supply rushing. But I would say not at the detriment of having passing questions and not to this degree where it's so short range centric of, I mean, touchdowns. I mean, again, it's kind of nutty. And if you do compare him to a more Cam Newton, more of a power runner, let's remember how Cam Newton devolved. 26 years old, Cam Newton was in the Super Bowl, um, and then he turned right back to an average-ish passer. His yards per carry dipped like a running back in his later 20s, and he was basically out of the league by age 30. So the QB3 price is the main problem here. This is not to say Jalen Hurts can't finish in the top three or four for fantasy next year, but it just means when I'm making that much of a price uh, an investment, whether it's a startup draft, whether he's on an existing roster, the point is he's expensive and you have a lot of options, so you want to feel... Very very certain about what you're getting as a profile, a DNA of who he is over the next two, three, four years, and I just don't have that with Jalen Hurts, which is why I'm below the market. Um, so same game, uh, Tim. I, I got a few a few recent trades here, some spicy, uh, a few less spicy, but just see if you if you would be selling Jalen Hurts or advising folks uh, if they had him on an existing existing team under these dynamics. So the first one, and we're gonna start off pretty hot. We've got Jalen Hurts rake london and a first and a second this year for patrick mahomes and a couple seconds
1: oh. <laughs> oh i I can't do it <laughs> I, I i can't <laughs> you can't i, I would okay i i'm i'm not that i i get it i i i see what you're putting out there i i would pivot i i really would i <clears throat> I I can't take Patmo. I would take the Hertz package in that one.
0: Okay. What's the biggest? Is the first or London the biggest part of that for you?
1: But bo- both of them, like both both of those. Okay. Yeah, okay. like <laughs> getting, getting all of that. That that's just okay. that's a haul. That that's a huge all right.
0: Package. There we go. I look at me out kicking my coverage right away. <laughs> all right. We'll see how we do with the rest of these. We got Jalen Hurts and a third for Josh Allen.
1: Oh, Josh Allen for sure. Okay, simple.
0: And even if that's a second, too, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck, even if it's a late first, you probably do it. So yeah. we got some, we got some margin there. Uh, Jalen Hurts in a second for C.J. Stroud and a third.
1: That would probably be, a, be one situation I w- I would pivot into C.J. Stroud, especially I I feel like there's as much as he's going to zoom up. There's still room for that to go even a little bit higher. As weird as that is to say.
0: Yeah, it, well, I just part of it is we we saw what C, CJ Stroud as a passer. I mean, we could argue that he showed more here in his rookie season than Hurts has shown I mean, to Hurts. date of just like having having confidence of maybe what's to come. Uh, this other one we have uh, and this this blends well with your your uh, buy low here, which is and by recommendation, Jalen Hurts and Mike Evans for Justin Herbert and a 24 first.
1: Oh, yeah. For sure, same dunk.
0: All right, now we got one more spicy one. We got Jalen Hurts for Anthony Richardson and Nico Collins.
1: Oh yeah, I I would definitely do that move for sure. The yeah. the Anthony Richardson Collins side. Okay,
0: yeah, I think I think that that's you know an aggressive downtick, but we could see Richardson pretty much zoom up to Hurts, or you know they level out, Zert, you know plus. much closer to each yeah. other, maybe by October. So. Uh, it kind of depends on how much confidence you have, obviously, in Richardson and Collins uh, to kind of be what what the flashes, you know, or Collins for this year showed uh, and not perpetuating forward a little bit. All right. Uh, we got one more segment of the show here, and we're going to go into our biggest dynasty lesson and, uh, and and spot we can learn to implement and improve our toolbox this offseason. So something Hey, it could be from discussions with people. It could be managing our own leagues. It could just be self-reflection over the past six months of managing our teams to really get it, distill it down to one thing we're going to action plan as we go forward. Uh, What do you got, Tim?
1: Yeah, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I I do want to circle back to it. It's the idea of packaging up and moving into the the elite piece in opening roster spots. I have one week in particular. And uh, during the rookie draft last year, I was uh, it was every, every time I was making a deal, I was getting extra 24, 25 uh, rookie picks. And it it was just that little extra something. Well, we're coming into 2024 rookie draft and I'm looking at my roster and I, I don't have room to really add five to six rookies my taxi squads already full up so i i need to get better at consolidating and moving up and like we talked about just a few minutes ago and you mentioned it's taking from that middle of the roster taking a couple of pieces and moving into something you're a lot more excited about or even upgrading to those really quality bridge players that might have a slight discount and you're a little little worried about moving off of a younger player and, and an example of that I would give is taking like Terry McLaurin and and some level of rookie pick and moving into a Devonte Adams so if that's like a a high second round rookie pick or something like that pairing those two pieces together and then getting into a Devonte Adams who's more of a set and forget it starting player so so that's something that I am like personally working on when I go into my leagues because there's (laughs) it it just gets hard. Like it's really easy to acquire average players. It's hard to get Mm -hmm. to the elite profiles. It's hard to get to the top of the market. And those are the guys that make the most impact and the most difference on on your teams week to week because they have the highest ceilings. There's a reason they're they're one and two at their position. It's because they, on a weekly basis, they have the ability to become one, in, uh, one and two level performers. So so that's just like something mentally I'm wrapping my mind around is just the idea of how easy it is to acquire these average players versus taking a two, th- maybe even three, whatever that looks like for your team and really moving up to something that is just a quality, set it and forget it. I don't need to worry about it type of player.
0: You know, the thing I was thinking about while you were you were going over that 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 subject is, I mean, you have to have a really deep league, you know, and, and frankly, I'm thinking of a league with 40 roster spots. I play with Jordan and it's like e- even depth to some degree, I think it's overrated in that in that format. I mean, you know, at the you know, if you're starting two tight ends, if you're starting two quarterbacks, I mean. You can get thin really quick with an injury or two, some buys and, you know, some chaos going on. Um, but specifically, you know, wide receiver, running back, like, I, I think the idea, even if you have a bunch of flexes and you're like, you know, I'd like to start X number of wide receivers or running backs. I, I think it's generally overstated, you know, how much you need. And you're kind of talking about picking from the middle where that actually has value. And, you you know, uh, the idea that, you know, thinking about the end of your bench as much as we do, you know, you can backfill, and and I think the idea of having, like you were mentioning, like having four, three or four Terry McLaurin types, you know, uh, on on the uh, on the periphery of your lineup what, what value does that offer? You know, is that really going to move the needle much? Um, like you said, I think sometimes being thin or thinner by doing a two for one or three for two or something like that, or, you know, it's really a three for one you get a pick back, you know, in addition, something like that. I think a lot of people are are fearful of making moves like that because they just, they might look at their, their lineup or what it would be like here in february or march and be like you know that's really lighter what am i going to do or you know that means i have to fix it or start somebody off the waiver wire in week one i think they have some of these gloom and doom thoughts that they can't uh kind of process being lighter uh you know at this point in time or heck even if they have the opportunity to make a move like that in season um so i think that might be one of the bigger roadblocks mentally for folks getting comfortable with that of just being you know, well, you're adding a top, you know, is that a top 20, top 25, top 30 player in the format and you're giving up some mid round stuff. I mean, think of that in a startup, a startup trade, and you would likely do that, you know, easily because you haven't even started the league yet. And all of a sudden we get to an existing uh, environment for making that type similar type of trade. And I think there's a little more pause to do it. It's crazy because, because my thing really dovetails and, and is is adjacent to what you just mentioned. And I just came up with this term, so it's not you know it's not official or anything, and maybe it's just my my way of uh, soapboxing it. But I I wanted to call it the pyramid of dynasty trade time, and this is something that I've been doing. I did a little more in twenty twenty three for sure, um, but it really was highlighted. I remember by um, a couple different moments in time where I remember it was. I think it was two years ago when Dak prescott had the in-season maybe it was three dak prescott had that in-season injury he missed like a month and a half or something the cooper rush you know look how great he is uh section of time that it'll be known as and i just remember like that really started the you know dak prescott goes down i'm like all right you know time to go in there and you know make a bunch of offers specifically for dak prescott and it really kick-started the idea of I don't have like I don't have time every single week to go and immerse myself in all of my leagues and say, all right, let's look at all the rosters, let's look at all the different angles for my own team, let's send out some offers. Like if you're in five leagues, I think you can swing that and pretty much do it every single week. But if you're in 40 leagues, you can't. And it really started the, how about we focus on what is most important, and that could be a singular sell player, it could be a singular uh, buy player who's injured or undervalued player. But in general, I wanted to distill down the thought and, and it works in the offseason as well. Obviously things linger and we have more time, but also fewer teams are, are paying that as much attention to really go back and forth as rigorously and aggressively as they might in week six with the, the looming uh, kickoff for the week coming up. Um, but here's how I wanted to define it. Spend more time on bigger trades for higher end players and profiles and less time on lower value options and deals. So I remember years ago, I used to spend a heck of a lot of time and and really get my jollies from, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, th- there's this flip running back and I would just like, just really ba- try to spend a lot of time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to go from a third to a second. and You know, oh, that's not going to work. Okay, I'm going to try to get a third and this other running back and I'm going to do all these things. It was really ancillary stuff. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but that's like focusing on, You know, like that's saying you have the possibility to go and make $500 at your job today, but you're going to call, you know, you're going to be late to work and and forego some of your paycheck because you're out in the park picking up pennies. Like someone spilled a bunch of change and you're like out there picking it up. Like that's the equivalency, right? So I, I think it's the, you know, obviously you're going to exhaust angles at some point in time, but then guess what? Rookie draft is going to happen or NFL free agency, or there's going to be an injury somewhere. And then you just, you circle back to going through these motions of looking for those higher, higher value players. Like you were kind of mentioning spending, just spending time on that. So I want you to spend more time with the, uh, the higher end players of, you know, if you're trying to get Justin Herbert, if you're trying to get Mahomes, uh, you know, we, we kind of mentioned, you know, Alvin Kamara as a big name, if you will, or something that could really help you, uh, but he's he's not necessarily the most costly per se. Um, but look look at angles like that more so than what I described, which is you're sitting there counting pennies because you're trying to sell some guy for a third. Like that has pretty like let's let's be real in a lot of these leagues, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, slash a waiver pick, a pickup. Is not all that different in value. It may seem super different in your rookie draft because, oh man, somebody drafted my sleeper at 304. He's gone. Ah, you know, if someone drafts him at 405, there's a decent chance that that person is going to be on the waiver wire at some point. So, You know, I think you just need to keep that in perspective of we focus so much sometimes on that in our little bubbles. But if we if you say we have five minutes to spend on a particular league, you probably want to spend at least four of those minutes you know, trying to make some of those bigger offers that we kind of alluded to, you talked about Brian Robinson, you know, we talked about some target players like Justin Herbert um, and others, you might maybe want to spend most of your time on that and a little less time on, you know, flipping somebody for a fourth round pick to save the roster spot or something like that, or, you know, moving from 405 to 402 in your rookie draft, uh, just because you're going to cut that guy. It's That is like really, really low stakes. Compared to the things that are actually going to move the needle, which again, really, really blends well with what you outlined as well. All right, that's going to do it this week on Under the Helmet. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Tim on Twitter at It's Tim Torch. Any of your questions, uh, comments, concerns, and uh, Dynasty advice and help you may have. Uh, he fills up in July and August relatively quick for all of his uh, draft consultations. Uh, if you have a redraft league, you have a dynasty league. Uh, maybe even, even even if it's a rookie draft, uh, he can help you out, and you can just contact him over there at it's Tim Torch. Reminder that uh, between hearing him here on the weekly show. Tim and I produce content over at patreon.com slash UTH. A lot of bonus content over there. Actually, we're going to be talking, have a bonus show this week, talking about free agency landing spots, as well as a lot of applicable content here as we go through. Uh, there's plenty of content that we're, we're going to be talking about. NFL free agency, the combine, the draft process here as we go through the month. So it's a completely separate platform there. Um, so again, if you're enjoying Under the Helmet here, sign up, support the show. Uh, we're not You're not going to listen to ads about... Uh, uh, various products that you'll hear on every single podcast out there. Instead, uh, just support the show, uh, throw a few bucks a month and get some bonus content over there at patreon.com U T H. So for Tim Torch, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those. Techies.